Hey church, my name is Cole. I'm the youth pastor here at Powerhouse and I'm excited to be able to share with you today. I'm definitely sorry that we're not able to get together in person, but glad that you're home safe. And you know, before we get started, I just want to thank Pastor John for giving me the opportunity to share. And I'm so thankful for them. I'm thankful that we have godly leaders in our church and we have such an amazing staff and staff pastors. And so today, take a moment, shoot somebody a text, tell them how much they mean to you, uh, tell them how much you care about them. I know that'll mean a lot. Uh, But before we jump in, I also want to talk to parents of teenagers for just a second. And I want to ask you, please get your teens involved in Powerhouse. Hey, it is so hard to navigate the challenges that teenagers are having to face today, uh, but I know that they need to be in an environment that cultivates their spiritual life, and that's exactly what we try to do in Powerhouse. And so get your teens involved. If you have any questions or you want some more information, come chat with me. Uh, You can even send me an email at cole.yeldell at churchontherock.org, and I'll make sure to get back with you. Uh, but anyways, I know this week, we've all been trying to make it through the snowpocalypse of 2021. You know, I think Alaska was temporarily relocated to Texas, but now we're on the downward slope of this, and I hope that you're safe and warm. I hope that you got to at least enjoy the snow for a little bit. Maybe you built a snowman or had a snowball fight or made some snow ice cream. I know uh, Brittany, my wife, was not really that excited when I tried to start a snowball fight, but we got out and enjoyed the snow a little bit anyway. But for a minute, I want to rewind and I want to go back to the beginning of this year. You know, um, at the beginning of the year, I was really excited to be coming out of the year 2020, like many of us. Uh, for most people, 2020 it was a year of frustration. It was a year of inconvenience, heartache, and it was full of letdowns. It was a year that was hard for everyone. You know, it hurt people financially, hurt people emotionally, and especially it hurt people spiritually. And, you know, even just on a personal note in my life, I felt like, honestly, I just kind of lived a little frustrated last year. And, you know, we had seen God do so many awesome things in the lives of our students and powerhouse at the beginning of the year. And just having to take a step back from that for a few months and watching some of these students grow distant and disengage and even some kind of walk away from God, it uh, really just broke my heart. And, uh, you know, Brittany and I, we ended 2020 in true 2020 fashion. We were in quarantine because we had COVID during both Christmas and New Year holidays. At first, I was a little aggravated about that as well. And then I realized I had just been given a lot of free time to spend with God. You know, during this time with God, I, I believe he, he came and began to transform and renew me. And, and I think this really shifted my mindset because all of a sudden, coming out of a year that was filled with inconvenience and less than ideal circumstances, I remembered that I serve a God that loves to move in miraculous ways, even in the midst of difficult circumstances. And I've actually begun to think that God prefers that. But, you know, during my time of prayer at the beginning of the year, I believe God laid on my heart that 2021 would be a year of transformation. You know, this year we wouldn't continue to walk in negativity and frustration. 
that we wouldn't continue to walk and, and be disengaged and spiritually apathetic. But I believe that this year would be a year that God would transform our hearts and that we would become more like him. And so today, that, that's the topic I want to share on. I want to talk to you for a few minutes about transformation in a message that I have entitled Transformed. And so if you would just bow your heads with me as we open in a word of prayer. And so, Lord, we come to you in Jesus' name. We thank you for today. We thank you for your presence. And Lord, right now, we just center our hearts on you. God, would you come and speak to us through the truths that are evident in your word and draw us closer to you today. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. Well, today, I'm going to go ahead, I'm going to forewarn you a little bit. I might step on your toes just a tad bit you know, I don't really know how this has uh, become a thing, but if I was in youth, I would tell them I'm about to step on your tootsies. I'm sure that's the most manly way that you can say toes. So tell your neighbor to watch their tootsies. And if you're a guy, you've got to say it in a deep voice to make up for the fact that you're saying tootsies. But, you know, as I was kind of wrestling with this topic of transformation, I was immediately drawn to Romans 12, 2, okay? And, and if you have your Bible, your phone, you can turn or click to this verse with me because we're going to continue to refer to it today. But I want to read this to you. Romans 12, 2, it says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, imperfect. You know, this verse reveals that there is a call for transformation in the life of a believer. When you look at the original language here for the word transform, that word in Greek is metamorpho, and this is where we get the English word metamorphosis. Maybe it's been a while since you've heard that word, but it describes the process of change and transformation in insects. Okay, so a great example of this is when a caterpillar goes into his cocoon and emerges as a beautiful butterfly. The caterpillar was one thing before, and it comes out something completely different. And what was slow and ugly and limited by gravity becomes something graceful, full of beauty, and now has the ability to fly. And I believe this is a perfect depiction of the kind of transformation that God wants to produce in the life of every believer. You know, I'm so thankful that I'm not who I used to be. I know that I'm not perfect. I've, got, I've still got issues and I still make many mistakes, but I'm no longer the person that I used to be. God has taken me as a caterpillar and began to transform me into something new. And today, you know, I don't know where you are spiritually. I don't know if you're doing well or you're doing bad. Or maybe you're disengaged. But I remember having this feeling that there's no way God could transform me. There's no way God could change me. Maybe that was a possibility for everyone else. And I want to tell you today that God can take someone who was once ugly, dead in their sin, limited and bound, and he can turn them into something beautiful something that's free from sin, something that's able to ascend to new heights and go to a new level. And that is the kind of way that God desires to transform your life. And there's one little point here that I want to make sure that you understand, but this transformation only occurs in a caterpillar's life if he is willing to build the cocoon, go inside of it and stay for a while. And God can only transform your life if you are willing to allow him to come into your life and do that. And so 
you do that by every day, I'm going to ask God to come into my life, have his way, and to help me become more like him. You know, if you're like me, you probably hear people use these little phrases and things all the time, especially in youth ministry. We hear this a lot, but just be who you are. Just do you follow your heart, find your truth, do what makes you happy, all of which are contrary to scripture, by the way. I actually like to call these things um, Disney theology because these phrases, they're great to throw into a movie. They sound nice, but they never actually produce anything of value in your life. And so I want you to understand here, the goal is to not be more like you, but it's to become more like Jesus. That might be a little offensive to say, but less of you and more of him. And I want to suggest for just a moment, I believe that American culture has created a version of Christianity that does not require the individual to change or to be transformed. It simply wants to receive the grace and mercy of God while continuing to live however they choose. And I believe this is abusing the grace of God. And we see time and time again in Scripture that God calls believers to change and to be transformed. And this leads me to my first point today. is that God has called every believer to be transformed into his likeness. 2 Corinthians 3.8 says, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. And so when we receive Christ and we receive the gospel, it begins a process of transformation in our lives and it will change you forever. You won't be perfect. It won't happen all at once. You'll still make some mistakes, but God begins to change you from the inside out. You know, the theological term for this is called the process of sanctification. But when you look, I want you to look back at Romans 12 too. When you look at this in the Greek, once again, the three words, but be transformed, they're actually written in the present passive imperative sense. Okay, so if you're like me and you weren't the best in English in school, you might have no idea what that means. I'm gonna help you out just a little bit. It actually means that this process is continuous. A better translation uh, for this would be keep on being transformed. And this is my second point that I want you to hold on to. If you're taking notes, man, I encourage you to write these down. But it's that God has called all of us to be continually transformed. It's not just one one moment of transformation, but God has called us to be transformed into his image, into his likeness, day by day, moment by moment, step by step. And so God's transformation in our lives, it doesn't happen all at once. You know, I don't believe that God's transformation happens in one moment at the altar or in one moment in prayer, although I believe that there are moments with God that mark our lives forever. You can look in the Old Testament at the story of Jacob as he wrestled with God in Genesis chapter 32. He walked away from this encounter with a limp, and he limped the rest of his life. This encounter with God changed every step that he took from this moment. And, you know, I believe that we can have encounters with God that change us forever. But what I want you to see is that God's process of transforming us takes place throughout our lives as we seek God, 
as we spend time with him in his presence, in his word and prayer, in worship and being led by his spirit, we become more like him. You know, 1 John 2, 6 says this, whoever says he abides in him who abides in Christ ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Romans 8, 29 calls us to be conformed to the image of Christ. The goal of our relationship with Christ is to become more like him, less like you and more like him every single day. And, you know, this is a scary reality that I've kind of began to to wrestle with a little bit. And I've seen this uh, more and more the longer I've done ministry. But I believe it is far too easy to become comfortable and complacent somewhere in this process of transformation. And we tend to settle and stop growing in the manner and the extent that we should. And what we often do to justify this is we compare ourselves and our spiritual walk to those around us and we justify where we are based on where everyone else is. And, and so what we are doing when, when you do this in your life, what you're doing is you're allowing the culture to be the standard, to set the standard in your life. And listen, the culture is not the standard that we live by. Jesus is our standard. Jesus is the standard that we compare ourselves to, and when we compare ourselves to him, we always fall short. I mean, there is always room to improve. There's always room to grow. And so the the third point of what I want to encourage you today is don't settle where you are. Keep moving forward. Don't settle. Don't become comfortable. Let's keep growing. Let's keep seeking Christ. There is a process of transformation and don't stop in the midst of it because you're okay where you are now, but God has more for you. You know, so whether you've been following Christ for all of your life or maybe you've been following Christ for a couple of days, there's room to grow and there's room to improve. So don't settle. Ask God to come and transform you every day. And so every day, I want you to ask yourself this question. This is something we probably don't think about quite as often as we should, but how can I be more like Jesus today? You know, I want to make this a little more practical. How can I be more like Christ to my spouse? How can I be more like Christ to my kids? How can I be more like Christ when I enter into my workplace? How can I be more like Christ to my neighbors and my friends, my loved ones? This is the heartbeat of Christianity. We're called to be more like him, and it's very easy to settle in a place where we're okay with where we are, and that is not, that is not how it should be. We should be striving to, to run after God every single day. And so every one of us, we need transformation We need to be changed by God, and and that's the only way it occurs is when we invite God to come and consciously work on us every single day, and that is God's process of transformation. And I want you to look back at Romans 12, 2, and I want to focus on the beginning portion of this verse that says, do not be conformed to this world. You know, Paul here, he's writing to the Roman church. He's declaring to them, and I believe he's declaring to us as well, do not, do not conform to the world. He's saying, do not do the things that they do. Don't think the way that they think. Don't partake of the same things that the world partakes. Uh, And so if you desire to see God transform your life in a greater measure, we have to learn to say no to the things of the world. We have to learn to say no to the things of the world. And this is point four. Christians are called to be set apart from the world. Christians are called to be set apart from the world. 
you know, this is a simple truth that, that all of us would recognize, most of us know, but sometimes we need a reminder to kind of get us back on track. Because there are so many things in our culture today that our culture deems as okay, but they're actually, they actually completely oppose God's word. And, you know, I, I believe Christian America has become far too comfortable with sin, far too comfortable with compromise, and we've forgotten some of these clear commands that Christ has, has commanded us that we are to separate ourselves from the world. You know, I, I want to be sure to say this. There's a fine line and balance here because God has placed many things on the earth uh, for us to enjoy, and, and, and we should enjoy those things, but but the problem, I think, comes in when these things begin to capture our heart. You know, um, when you begin to yearn for the new car, when you begin to yearn for the house or whatever your passion is, do you yearn for those things in a greater way than you yearn for God? Because if you do, and, and I believe we all do at some point or to some degree, that means we need to readjust and realign some things in our life. And, and so if you would allow me, I want to get on my soapbox here for just a moment, uh, because a lot of times when we start talking about being separate or set apart from the world, we, we think of obvious sins and, and struggles. But it means a little more than that to me. Um, you know, it doesn't just mean uh, trying, uh, trying not to place other things above Christ, but it means receiving God's heart for the world and the people around us. And the only way you can receive God's heart is by intimacy with Him. This past year, for example, we've seen millions of people jump behind various social causes and political movements. It seems uh, that the world is rather hungry to live a life of meaning and purpose, and they want to do something that matters, and that's a, that's a great desire. Uh, and I am obviously for equality and justice and desire to end racism and all these things that we've been facing over the last year, uh, in which I also must point out that all of these things are rooted within the Christian worldview. Without Christianity, none of those things exist. But this is what's concerned me. This is what I want you to hear. All of a sudden, we've seen the Christian world become more passionate about social causes and political figures than they are passionate about Jesus. And what I want to, to help you remember for a moment, if you want to live a life of purpose, if you want to live a life of meaning, if you want to do something that really matters, Christ has already given us the greatest cause that has ever been given to mankind. And it's recorded in Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20, and it's called the Great Commission. We as believers, we're called to see the lost saved and the saved discipled. And the greatest thing you can do to help those people around you is to share the gospel of Jesus Christ because the gospel is the great equalizer. It's the message that sets captives free. And I believe it's time again for Christians to become less concerned, concerned with the things of the world and more concerned with the things of the kingdom. I want equality. I want justice. I want all of those things for people today, but I'm more concerned with where they'll spend eternity. Don't forget, church, that God has already given us the greatest cause and purpose. And I believe it's far too easy today to get distracted, to get obsessed with the wrong things. And we need to return to, again to these central tenets of the faith. God's already given us the greatest purpose. That's the greatest help, sharing the gospel, sharing the good news with those around us. 
And so Christian, you're called to be different. You're called to live by standard. And we're called to compare ourselves to no one other than Jesus Christ. And we're called to adhere to the standard of God's word. Today, it's common to reject portions of scripture uh, that we disagree with or that we find difficult. And I want to teach you something that uh, is quite profound here, okay? We've been teaching, trying to teach our youth students this, but when you are going through the Bible, when you read something that you disagree with, this is what I want you to say, okay? So I want you to repeat after me, yeah, even on your couch or in your living room, wherever you are, I want you to say this, I'm wrong, <laughs> okay? So that might, be the first, uh, that might be the first time you've heard one of your family members utter those words, uh, but here is what I want you to see. Scripture in our lives as, as believers, Scripture is supposed to have supreme authority. We do not have supreme authority. We're called to align ourselves with God's Word, not try to bend Scriptures to fit our preferences. And so I want you to learn those words. I'm wrong. Admit when you're wrong. Admit when our lives don't align with Scripture. And let's do our best to do that. Let's do our best to follow Christ and mimic how He has lived his life. But once again, I want you to return to Romans 12 too. I want to look at one more phrase out of this verse here. Again, it says, do not be conformed to this world. Don't be like the world Christian, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Okay, and so we are transformed. What it's saying here, we are transformed as our mind is renewed. Okay, so the obvious question then is how can we renew our minds? And so I, I want to tell you this other simple truth. There is nothing that will renew your mind and transform you like the Word of God. And this is my, my last point today, point five. We are called to renew our minds with the Word of God. The Word of God produces transformation in the lives of believers. I want to give you a few scriptures to back this up. John 15, 3 says, Already you are clean because of the Word that I have spoken to you. Those are the words of Christ. The words of Christ make us clean. John 17, 17 says this, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is the truth. And so we are sanctified by the truth. What is truth? The truth is found in God's word. John chapter eight, verses 31 through 32 says this. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And so we're called to know the truth. The truth will set us free. What is the truth? It's God's word. I'm telling you, Christian, if you desire God to transform your life in a new way, we have to begin to dive in and ingest God's word like never before. And I believe this is something that is often put aside that we don't value quite as much as we should. And it's the words of God that speak life and transform our hearts. Dive into your word. If you haven't been reading your Bible, if you haven't been doing those things, do some of these, these, these basic uh, principles of uh, practices of Christianity. Do these things because God will use them to change your life. And so as one, one's mind continues to uh, being made new by the spiritual input of God's word and prayer and Christian fellowship, his lifestyle will continue to be transformed. You know, um, Another thought that, that comes to mind in, in light of this, it's, it is important what we ingest. It's important what we feed on. And so I want to warn you, be careful of what you feed your soul. 
You become what you feed on. That's kind of why I'm starting to look like a bacon cheeseburger and some Oreos. You'll become what you feed on. We uh, constantly feed on things today. We constantly feed on content, music, videos, TV, social media, news. You know, have you ever thought about the idea that even the TV shows that we watch are called programs? The, uh, the posts that you scroll through on social media, they're called feeds. These things are we're feeding our spirits with, and if we continue to ingest things of the culture, hours and hours of things of the culture, how could we be surprised if we wind up looking more like the culture and less like Christ? And so today I want to I wanna make sure that you're careful of what you're ingesting, careful of what you're allowing into your life, And we must be intentional about feeding your spirit things that will transform our minds to the likeness of Christ. You know, there's something uh, that we have today. We, I guess this has come up the last few years. If you have an iPhone, usually on Sundays, at least on mine, I get an update of my screen time, just how much time that I use my phone every day. It's normally during one of our uh, Sunday morning services, and it can be quite convicting for me because I realize that I have ingested uh, cultural content for hours on my phone. And how can I expect to ingest such content from the culture and expect to align my life with Christ. I mean, we have to be careful what we're ingesting. We have to be careful and, and combat that with the word of God, with prayer, with worship, and, and do those things and allow God to transform us from the inside out. But I want to leave you with uh, one more thing that has truly challenged me over the last few months. You know, several months ago, a prominent pastor in America had to resign from his position because of a moral failing. And uh, you know, I'm not here to, to talk about the details of that, uh, but I read a number of articles that were responding to this happening, and there was one that kind of stuck with me, and I believe it was written by a woman who is a devout atheist. Many of her points uh, seemed to, to be aimed just to undercut Christianity. My first response was to be a little aggravated as I read it, but as I became a little more objective, I couldn't help but to see some of the things she was saying were true. And here's the part that stayed with me I want to share with you today. She says this, I'm not religious, so it's not my place to dictate to Christians what they should and should not believe. Still, if someone has a faith worth following, I feel that their belief should make me feel uncomfortable for not doing so. If they share 90% of my lifestyle and values, then there is nothing especially inspiring about them. Instead of making me want to become more like them, it looks very much as if they want to become more like me. You know, the sad part about this quote is I believe that it's true. You know, many believers today want to see how close we can get to towing the line of culture. In the early New Testament church, we we see these believers, their heart's desire was to see how close and how intimate they could be with God. And today, we want to know how close we can get to the line without being rejected by him. And this shouldn't be our heart at all. And so I want to challenge you. I want to leave you with this uh, challenging truth found in Philippians chapter 1, verses 27 and 28. It says this, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel and not frightened in anything by your opponents. Let us live lives 
that are set apart from the culture. Let us live lives that glorify God and let us live lives that aim to be transformed by him every single day. I don't, I don't want my life to be defined by the culture. I don't want to take in things that don't really matter and one day regret those things as I stand before God. I want to live my life with every breath, every step, honoring him, glorifying him, and being transformed by him every single day. And so I want to ask you one last question today. Will you allow this year to be a year that God transforms your life? every single day. That's the call of Christianity. And I believe anything short of that is less than what God has intended for you. You know, as I close today, I wanna remind you, if if you have any prayer needs at all, you can drop those in a comment. You can shoot us a message on whatever platform you're watching. Uh, We'll make sure that our staff is praying for you. Maybe you're here today and you need to make a decision to follow Christ. Maybe you know that you need to get right with God. You can drop a comment, message us. You can call our church office. We sure would be honored to have the opportunity to pray with you. But if you would, I just wanna ask you right now, would you bow your heads wherever you are? And I want you to ask God this, this question before we close. Holy Spirit, what are you speaking to me? What are you saying? What do I need to adjust? What do I need to tweak? God, how do I need to change my mindset? What things of the world do I need to let go of? Come on, would you just ask God a few questions right now? And I believe God's gonna begin to lay some of those things on your heart. And then your next step would to be obedient to the things that God lays on your heart. But let me pray for you. Lord, we just come to you right now, and God, we recognize, uh, you know, often we, we get obsessed and preoccupied with things that we shouldn't. Lord, we often think that we're comfortable where we are. We don't want to be transformed. We don't want to have to give up other things or, or, or follow you in a greater manner. And, and Lord, it's, it's just sad that, Lord, I know that you've intended more for us. And so, God, would you forgive us right now? of uh, any way that that has been our heart cry. And Lord, would you help us to have a heart, Lord, that is set apart from the world, a heart that seeks to be transformed by you every single day. God, and help us to live lives that glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.